Hi, James. Ben, how are you? It's so annoying people complain that they're busy, but I'm actually really busy. Uh, we were, we're we're moving house. Actually, we were gonna move. Oh wow! The, we, yeah, um, which we've done way too often in our lives. Um, but we were gonna do at the end of this month, but it's been unexpected, unexpectedly moved up to the end of this week. Uh, oh, so yeah, it's been it's 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 one of those weeks, but uh, that's that's the way it goes. Um, it's 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 all it's good news in general. Um, but that's good. That I'm okay. Uh, How is Australia? Uh, well, I mean, I had a very nice hotel room and I worked in a nice Aww. office and, uh, Aww. it was in be- beautiful weather as I walked the hundred yards between my hotel and the office. <laughs> uh, uh, I did the last day, uh, when, when I wrapped up, I grabbed a cab down to the opera house and then walked, took, took some pictures, walked back towards the, the Quay, uh, station there and then took that back to the airport. So I had like 20 mm. minutes it was, it was very beautiful. Um, yeah, that's a nice place to walk if you have 20 minutes. Yeah, much to my chagrin, you are right in that I've long wanted to go to Australia. And uh, no, I'd say it affirmed my desire to, you know, go back in the future and do it properly. So Yeah, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, but no, I mean, be- beautiful city, uh, you know, nice people. Um, obviously, Nice people? Obviously, really? Obviously, I didn't run into you or else that might have changed <laughs> Uh, but no, it was good. However, um, fortunately for the purposes of this podcast, uh, I have found something to get all upset about, oh, uh, no. and I can rant and rave and, <laughs> and that is the, the kind of internet collectively losing it did about this HBO deal. Um, huh. which, which just, which just came down today. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I was gonna, I'll probably have, I'll, I'm gonna have to write about it just because people are being stupid. Um, and it's, but, and it's irksome. So for those who missed it or those not in the States, what happened? So HBO, which, uh, you, I think most people are probably, I mean, HBO is pretty international. We have like eight HBO channels here in Taiwan. Um, home box office, uh, is greatly famous for their original series. So kind of the one where they really got the ball rolling again, I think was the Sopranos. And I think sex in the cities around the same time they did the wire. They did, uh, uh, Deadwood. They've right now kind of their big ones are Game of Thrones and uh, what else do they have right now? That's a that's a big hit. Um, they have they have a bunch of all these kind of original series and very much an inspiration, I think, for Netflix and their original series and things like that. And but they've always been uh, a part of they've been an a, appendage and an addendum, uh, something you add on top of your cable bundle, almost like a premium one too, right? Right. No, exactly. And so so basically. To get HBO, you needed to have cable, and then you would pay extra to also get HBO. And HBO, unlike other cable channels, didn't have any commercials. Uh, it had much more uh, license uh, to, you know, to have like nudity, to have explicit language, um, you know, those those sort of things. Because it was a premium bundle, you're paying extra for and all, all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff, and. Uh, especially, you know, but it's also very popular because these shows are, are amazing. They're very well done. Um, and so people have been clamoring to, well, certain people have been clamoring to, to get it separate from separate from cable. Mm. And now HBO is going to do that, uh, sometime next year, they will offer, I mean, the details are still a little sparse, but they will offer HBO, uh, on its own. You don't need to have a cable bundle. You can pay like for HBO go, which they already have, but requires a, a login. 
and mm. people are like, oh my God, this is amazing. Cable is dead. All the downloads are going to start falling. And, and to me, it's just, I, I get the excitement, but it's fundament, It's a fundamental misunderstanding of, of the TV bundle and the economics of it. It's interesting. I think it is a domino, but it's one that's very, very far from the end game. And, and I guess, I don't know how much this means to you since you're not an American. Um, I don't have cable but either. You do live but in I, America. I do live in America. I don't have cable, but I do watch HBO shows. So I, I don't know. Like um, this, this kind of sounds appealing to me. I've always found other ways of watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, but uh, this is the kind of thing where like they're not getting my money right now, but they certainly could like, given this package, depending on how they um, structure it. Like, I love the content that they come out with. I think it's amazing. Right. And you are the target market for this deal. Like, and I think the mistake that everyone's making is everyone is looking at this deal from the perspective of the cable companies, uh, mm. whereas this deal is very much with HBO. And, and so there, there's actually a ton of context going on here. Um, again, I, I think I'm going to write about this just because I'm I'm annoyed. Um, and so- no. So I apologize if our listeners, if I've already written this, but basically big picture uh, in everything, you have to look at it in the big picture. Time Warner uh, spun off, spun off uh, their whole magazine, the time division, like the Mm -hmm. magazine division, uh, which, you know, and they were kind of, they were kind of uh, dicks about it. Like they spun off the magazines and also gave them all their debt. So, so now you have yeah. a very nice like media company with no debt. Uh, and then you have like this magazine division in doomed industry, like carrying tons of tons of debt. Um, mm. You know, the poor magazine guys uh, didn't really give them a chance. Um, but anyhow, so, so they had this nice attractive division and sure enough, here comes uh, our, our, your pale, your, your, your country mate, uh, Rupert Murdoch, wants to acquire Rupert uh, Time Warner. And it's now, it is a very attractive kind of thing and offered a pretty significant premium, which Time Warner turned down. And now they're under a lot of pressure to justify having turned that down. And mm-hmm. so they need to increase the value of the business and all sort of stuff. And one of the most profitable parts of the business is already HBO. But there's the sense among a lot of people that there's a lot more value to be unlocked in HBO. So that's the like the big context to understand this move is that it's all about increasing revenue, increasing the opportunity for HBO. Right, which makes a lot of sense. But what's unusual to me is that, well, what what's interesting to me about this is like this is – it feels like Time Warner had been always making the decisions around how HBO operated as a kind of conglomerate. Like, and what's interesting to me is that in the sense that like, we're not going to release this out because like, it's going to, it's potentially going to affect the cable. Right. But like now they're letting it go out to anybody who doesn't necessarily have cable. It's, it is kind of interesting, right? Well, but Time Warner Cable is a separate company. So, oh, so okay. they, it's already been spun out. So th- yes, that would definitely make more sense, um, you know, when they were all one conglomerate, but it is a separate mm. company. And so I actually don't think that was that. No, it's okay. It's a, it, it, like, it, I think that's part of it. There's a lot of, I think, um, there's a lot of context about this that I think is, mm. is very important. And that is an important piece. 
So, I mean, I think part of it was really just uh, inertia almost or, or not wanting to like kill the golden goose. I mean, HBO is massively profitable, but all they do is they make shows like they, they that's that's what they do. And they all the messy, like all the marketing, all the customer support, all the billing, all that sort of icky stuff is handled by the cable companies or the, you know, or whatever medium that you get HBO through. And so, you know, it, it, they're a very focused company. I like, and that's something, you know, that, that theoretically we should all, I thought we all liked, right. All they do is make great shows and look at that. They make great shows and they let other people handle all the other stuff. And the fear of, of, I suspect why they haven't done anything like this previously is because that's a lot of work and there's a lot of risk there. Um, now, what I think is happening is because they have this, this need to increase profitability, to show that staying independent as a Time Warner entity was worth it, now that risk is more palatable to them. Um, but that's what's happening. That's why HBO is making this decision. So it's... it's mm. That's interesting. So the the other side of this that's interesting is that you think everyone who's talking about this being a mortal blow to cable is like completely off base. Well, the the issue is that HBO w- was already deriving all of its income from subscriber fees. So what I mean is HBO only got money from people who wanted HBO. Like basically HBO and Netflix are the same company. They just have a distant, different distribution mechanism. And this is something I've written for a while. It's like, well, I think Netflix is cool, but it's not really that interesting from a, from a, like a big picture technology perspective. Cause they're just HBO. What, what does HBO do? HBO shows old movies and creates original series. What does Netflix do? They show old movies and create original series. Like it, they're really the same thing. And uh, to me, this is like a, they're going to fight it out in a the kind of the premium uh, series production market almost. And most people will have both and that's fine. Um, but it, th- what's different from the rest of cable is that ESPN, which everyone says, oh, well, I just need ESPN to go next. ES- mm. ESPN is going to be the last one to go because ESPN makes money from every single cable subscriber, whether or not you watch ESPN. Like this is the fundamental difference between normal cable channels and HBO. HBO mm. only makes money from HBO subscribers. ESPN makes money from every single cable subscriber, whether or not they watch ESPN. I know it's repeated myself, but like this is the fundamental point that makes these completely different businesses and and is why all these people making these wild predictions because HBO went are, are off base. HBO, it, this is a n- very natural evolution for HBO. It's the same business model, just with adding on a customer service department. For ESPN or any other cable channel to do the same would be to completely change their business model. And as we've talked about a million times, that is does not come easily. Mm, I I agree with you about. I agree with you. It makes sense. Um, it's. I mean, it also makes sense given that HBO shows us some of the most pirated things on the internet, right? Like I I like not giving people that don't have cable an opportunity to legally get the show just seems crazy to me. Right. Well, I mean, I, th- I think that people do undervalue the risk. I mean, all that customer management acquisition stuff is, is hard. 
Um, no question. But I mean, that said, this is a very reasonable step for them to take, right? I mean, it's basically if they can execute, they can dramatically increase well, they, they can way increase their addressable market. And the more people that and whatever percentage of people have cable just so they can get HBO, which, by the way, I suspect is quite, quite small. I mean, the fact is HBO doesn't have its its viewership numbers aren't that high. Like especially relative to any normal cable channel, they're they're quite low, as you would expect if you have to pay extra for it. Mm. Um, so uh, the number of people, the problem with the, all this thing about this is going to cause the cable bundle to come to uh, to unravel is that that presumes that there's a lot of people that have cable just so they can get HBO, and right. I I don't think there's that many people that are like that honestly. Like who is paying a hundred bucks a month uh, for? cable and it's it's a hundred it's not 150 or whatever people are saying because that 150 number includes your internet service like just for the just for the channel part who is paying all that money just to get hbo i'm sure there are some people but i don't think it's nearly as many as people are making it out to be right i i mean it's interesting though is this like a, a there there are some right and then there are there are other ways of like slowly piecing together all the things that cable used to do uh, like you take t- 10 years ago or 20 years ago, there was just, I imagine there was no way lots of play, not lots of families could imagine living in the States without having cable. And slowly, bit by bit, it's starting to get to the point where you can actually piece together a pretty good solution that fills a whole lot of the jobs you have to be done in your life, um, uh, like the content that you want to get without necessarily having cable. And this this kind of adds to it, but I think... I think your point around ESPN being the thing that so many people get cable for, and it's just going to be like that, that the, there's going to have to be something crazy to happen before they decide to walk away from cable. Yeah. Well, I mean, this conveniently used the word jobs and I wrote an article a year ago and this is almost the reason I'm hesitant to write another one because like I already made the case, nothing has particularly changed. The, the article is called the jobs TV does. And basically mm. Previously, what the Jobs TV did was I, I had five. One, keep us informed. Two, educate. Three, give a live view of sporting events. Four, mm. enlighten and storytell. And five, provide escapism. Mm. And basically, uh, one and two are, are, are long gone, right? Mm. The idea of using TV to keep you informed. Yes, maybe if, like there are, is some segment of the population that does that, but they're I mean, not really at the sound of not much the sound of, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. They're, they're dying. Literally. They're not listening to this <laughs> podcast. That's for sure. Hey, there might be some of them. And I, I salute you, dear listener. Um, <laughs> they, uh, education. No, like all the internet has, has just taken that away. Um, the, in the provide escapism, maybe, but like, there's just so many things that compete for that. Now it'd be video games. It might be just surfing the internet I mean, mm. sometimes you just want to sit down and click the tv whatever um the two that have that the two that are kind of left are the enlightened storytelling and the and the sporting events and this does start to peel away the the kind of enlightened and storytelling and, and and drama and that sort of aspect and and yes it does have an effect on the margins but that does leave things like sports and just having that stuff there um you know, other stuff that is only available on cable, uh, as, as a buffer. Now, yeah. Right. All that said, all this is true. And we'll put the links to this series in the, in our notes, like in this 
instead of three articles, I lay out why the whole like TV is falling apart mm. imminently is way oversold. What is true and what is the case is, um, and the danger long, like to me, the, the cable industry is like an Oak tree. Like it's super strong. It's super solid. Like it's actually a good deal. Like if you think about how much you pay on a per hour basis, it's a, it's a really good deal. It's a good deal for consumers. It's a great deal for the cable companies. It's a great deal for, for TV producers. The reason we have such amazing TV right now in the U S is because everyone figured out the best way to make money as a network is to make your channel indispensable. And the way you make your channel indispensable is by making super awesome shows. So like AMC charges a ton of money because people, some small segment of the population will go nuts if they can't watch walking dead or if they can't watch Mad Men. And like, that's awesome. Like we, we are all benefiting because like these super there's the incentives to create great TV are incredibly strong under the current system. And honestly, people that want the whole thing to go away, like I, I don't think realize what the what the impact of that might be on some of this super expensive scripted drama. Right. Though I mean, it's 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 unusual to say the least in this country that there's this <laughs> of all the things, television is the one thing where you pay for all the channels you don't use. It's like America's successfully managed to socialize one thing, and that's television. No, it's, just, it's, it's socialism that works. I mean, yeah, I, it's I, kind of hilarious to me. <laughs> it's, exa- it's exactly what it is. And honestly, like, it is like the shining example of like socialism done right. <laughs> like, it, it 100% is because I pay for shows that I don't watch, and the person on the street pays for shows that he doesn't watch, and collectively, we both get better shows. Yeah, that, there's there's something that I like. I, I I remember looking into this industry a little bit a few years back while I was at school, and coming to the conclusion that there's some delicious irony in there. That the one thing that America has managed to successfully socialize is television. <laughs> no, totally, and and like, and you know, one of the highest quality products that the U.S. has right now is like it's it's TV it's, shows. I mean, I don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't. That sounds weird, but like. Honestly, like just think back over the last 15 years of U.S. television has been incredible. Yeah. And um, it, it's yeah. And it's because of socialism. <laughs> Hilarious. So uh, anyhow, the 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 danger, I think, long term for the cable industry is the more stuff gets peeled away, the more uh, mm. obvious it it becomes to the consumer what they're paying for and the real danger. And this really does get to the sports issue. So mm. a, a couple of weeks ago, ESPN renewed their deal with the NBA uh, for like two billion or like a $2 billion a year or something like that. And the reality is, is not many people. I love the NBA. I'm a massive fan. Not that many people watch the NBA. Uh, it, but what it is and what sports are in general sports, people really focus on that sports are live. So people will watch commercials and that's definitely part of it. But the other part is sports are, if you don't have sports, uh, like if, if a cable company said, we don't want to pay SPN, we're not going to carry SPN, which means you're not going to see all the NBA games, all the NBA 
fans are going to lose their mm-hmm. lose, lose their whatever it might be. Um, I feel like I've already <laughs> passed this morning uh, threshold for this episode, so I'll stop. Uh, <laughs> And the, you see this in in, in kind of uh, category after category, whether it be like gun control or whether it be the, the Gamergate stuff. Like the, all you need is a very small collection of super passionate people, like one issue people that only care about one thing that can move the needle, even if the majority feel differently, but it's not a priority. So even though mm. the majority of people don't watch the NBA, they're not going to cancel cable because the NBA is on there. Whereas there's some portion of people that if the NBA is not there, they will like, if the cable company won't carry SBN, they'll get direct TV. Like they will, they will, there's a very, it's like Apple and the carriers, right? People would change carriers to get the iPhone. And that's why the power is that that's where all the power is. And it, and in sports in particular, mm. it's yeah, I, it's, <laughs> I have one question, though, relating to the jobs that you talked about. You said enlighten and inform and escapism. I'm kind of curious what you mean is the difference between those two, because I never did read those articles. Well, thanks for admitting it now. Uh, and you should, because you would not you would not be so uninformed as you are. Um, uh, oh, snap. Uh, so for me, uh, enlighten and storytell is like when you're – you're very mentally engaged in a show and you want to know what happened. So this is like watching game of Thrones or watching the wire or something like that, where you're, uh-huh. you're in, you're investing in the characters and, and you're watching it. It's an intellectual exercise to watch it. Like you don't, you don't sit, you don't sit down and, you know, flip through Twitter and talk on the phone where you're watching, you know, the wire or, you know, uh, the wire is top of mind. Cause I'm, I'm watching it right now. Well, oh, cool. Um, Whereas escapism is like, oh, I'm exhausted, plop down from the TV, flick on the TV, like see what's on. Uh, so it's more the mindless type, like I just need to like switch off. Right, exactly. And and uh, you know, TV was is is very good at that. Um, always has been. Um, so that's that's the difference there. Um sorry to get back to the sports thing though, I think what happens is is as the number of jobs that TV does becomes fewer and fewer, mm-hmm. uh, the people who are still paying and are are finding more are doing more of those jobs elsewhere uh will start to look more closely at what they're paying for and the reality is i, I have so many conversations with people people are not rational about this like people like always complain you see on, right now people going nuts about this cord cutting stuff people are like oh i hate how much i pay blah, blah blah no one actually like sits back and and thinks like okay well the, like i was talking to a friend last night it's like Oh, I, my cable is so expensive. I mean, all I do, I watch like what, maybe like an hour a day and like sports on the weekends. I'm like, so basically you watch at least like 30 hours a month, probably more. And actually more like 50 or 60 since he's watching football on the weekends. And I'm like, so in other words, he's like, oh, my cable bill is $120. I'm like, was well, that include internet? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so that's $60 by itself. So actually you're paying $60 for TV and you're watching 60 hours a month. So you're paying a dollar an hour. Like, tell me what other entertainment option you can get for a dollar an hour that, you know, is of, of equivalent to what you're getting from. TV. Right. And like, and he, he's like, you know, we've had this argument like 10 times. He still, he still won't believe even <laughs> though he's wrong, but, <laughs> but the problem is that people don't think like that, right? People get that big bill every month. They're like, Oh, and they start thinking about ways to cut it. And 
once you and the danger is when people start you know for the cable industry is especially when people start like drawing the line between like well most of this is really about sports and I don't watch sports um or like at some point there's some it's going to keep trickling down my point is there's not going to be yeah. a waterfall but at some point I suspect there's some sort of breaking point where you know, we've used the quote before, but the Hemingway quote, you know, like what is it about bankruptcy? Like it happens very slowly and then very fast. Yeah. Um, I, I presume that will be the case. And that's what I mean by the oak tree. It's like an oak tree yeah. is super strong right up until the, the pressure, just like gets a hurricane too gets too much. And then the whole thing, it just snaps and then mm. it's, it's done. But and you still think we're a fair way away from that. I, I suspect so. Uh, you know, I, th- there's no, uh, people still watch a lot of TV. Uh, you know, sports is still, sports is still a big deal. I mean, obviously if the NFL were to ever go away, that would be, that would be something. And I think people over the reality is that I think people underestimate, or overestimate, like it both overestimate the hassle of going without cable and underestimate how much they would save. Like once you're paying for HBO and you're paying for Netflix and you're paying for Hulu and you're setting up an antenna on your roof and you're finding a DVR, getting a TiVo to DVR stuff if you think that's important or whatever. Like once you start adding up the costs, like that that gets up to sixty pretty quickly and with a whole lot more hassle. Like I just I just honestly think the vast majority of people are not rational at all about what they get for their money with cable and. The question is, is if that irrationality will rule the day or if it won't. Um, but so here's a question for you. If it all gets chipped away, but all that's left is ESPN, what do you think would happen then? Well, the, the, I mean, this is, what, this is what would be so fascinating because ESPN right now charges like $6 per cable customer. That's why it's such an insanely profitable company because every single person, whether or not they watch ESPN, is paying $6. The problem is ESPN is only a fraction of the people actually watching TV. And if all those people had to pay for ESPN, and I did these calculations in this in the articles that you didn't read. Um, I didn't know about them. I didn't see them. <laughs> I, 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 well, you were you were you, you like to you like to be proud of the fact that you were like the tenth follower of Stratechery, but then apparently I, you were watching Stratechery. I, I I must confess, Ben, I am not on Twitter twenty four hours a day. I I, I got to tell you that. Just don't tell anybody. That's all. <laughs> um. So. Yeah. So I the numbers were very shaky because there I made a ton of assumptions, but basically, uh, as far as I could figure out, I'm, I'm trying to look at the article right now. Uh you would have to pay somewhere between like $15 and $100 a month for ESPN. If if the only people who watch ESPN paid for ESPN, they'd have to pay like $50 a month or something for it. But the problem is once you get to $50 a month, a lot of people would not pay it, which means the ones who are left have to pay even more, right? Because the mm. US, elasticity would kick in. And the reality is, is the entire thing would fall apart. And which then you get to the sports leagues and like all the money would go away. And like there's the edifice of TV is about way more than you griping about your cable bill. It involves, it involves, uh, 
So that's sports really, involves all the all the sports yeah. leagues, involves like all the salaries, involves like these evaluations, like Steve Ballmer paying two billion dollars for the Clippers. It involves the quality of TV shows we get. It involves iTunes. It involves all the studios. Like literally, the entire entertainment edifice in America would collapse if this system collapsed. And that's not to say it won't happen. It's just to say one, like I think people underestimate the forces that are in place to make sure it doesn't happen. Mm. And two, I think people are dramatically underestimating what would be lost if it did happen. Like, do people really want a world where uh, sports as we know it are completely upended and, and, and go away? Do people really want a world where we don't have the quality of TV that, that, that we have. I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't be a bad, I'm not saying it's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm just saying the world would be totally different. And, um, I mean, it's interesting to play this out though, right? Like HBO, and I recognize that the economics for HBO are different to a whole lot of the other different channels, but I wonder if like, if like it keeps chipping away and it sounds like the way we've, the way you've described it, it's like ESPN becomes the, the last bastion to fall, but not everyone who, not everyone who has cable watches ESPN. So they're getting, did you say six dollars a subscriber um, from everyone who subscribed? But if it was if it was just the people who watched it, it would be fifty dollars. So at some point, like as more and more of this starts chipping away, like as the oak gets as the oak gets chipped away at it more and more, like that number, those numbers start to get like, like ESPN's getting less. Like I, I could, like, it's interesting to play it out to the point where potentially if ESPN was the last one left and then it, like at that point, there would be a lot of people who would stop subscribing. If it's like the difference is $6 and $50 and then what would happen, like playing out the, 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 cable industry collapsing and what that would do to sports, for example, that would be, I mean, it would be, it would upend it. No, absolutely. And like, it really is the sports thing. Cause, um, so I have the, the, the top 30 cable networks by affiliate fees. So affiliate fees are the, what people actually pay in their cable bill. So mm-hmm. ES, ESPN gets $5 a month. And this is as of, uh, I think it's 2012. Um, this article was in 2013, the one you didn't read. Um, so, <laughs> so ESPN, so ESPN is $5, uh, three net. I'm not sure that is a dollar 29 TNT is a dollar 20 TNT has the NBA. So that's another mm-hmm. sports related one. Disco- uh, Disney channel is 97 cents. Number five, uh, which, uh, in Disney channel, uh, is kids stuff. Uh, Nickelodeon is on here somewhere. They're pretty high as well. Uh, the NFL network is 84 cents. Fox news is 82 cents. ESPN two 67 cents. Um, basically all this stuff at the top here and AMC and, and FX have been working their way up because they've been doing lots of original programming. Um, so yeah, take away Disney channel is kid stuff. Well, you can get kid stuff, you know, right. Elsewhere. Netflix and, and Amazon primes making a big push here. Uh, the drama stuff, obviously, HBO goes on its own, but also uh, Netflix. Netflix. But the, the the question is is um, and so yes, you can see you can see how this can get stripped down to really just being sports. But then, at what point? Again, at what point are you paying ten dollars for Netflix, fifteen dollars for HBO, 
okay, so AMC is wants to spin out. You're gonna pay five dollars for AMC. You're gonna pay whatever for for uh, for Disney. And the reality is, the it just you're gonna be paying just as much, like and like you're gonna be paying just as much very quickly for way less. Yeah, if, if assuming everybody wants all those things, but the, the what's causing this is not everybody does. But I think people, for the most part, want more than they realize. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's true, but they are going to make the decision not on the more than what they realize. They're going to start to make the decision based on your friend not assessing it rationally, right? Well, but I mean, the problem is again all these prices though that I just quoted; those are all prices paid by every consumer. Like, if mm-hmm. if only the people watching the shows are paying, the prices like to maintain something has to give to maintain the same budgets. The price you have to go up like 10 X or more because who's wants to pay? Like, honestly, like AMC is great, but how much are you really willing to pay? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't pay for it. I wouldn't AMC haven't got me, but I would pay for the walking dead. Right. But you, you can pay, but how much would you pay? Oh no, no, no. I agree. Like I know where you're heading with this conversation and I agree. If, like whatever answer I give, like it, it results in the whole industry being upended. And I, I wonder whether HBO's, I wonder whether part of this is not just the profitability piece that you mentioned, but HBO is starting to say, well, eventually the writing's on the wall around this, like it's going to happen eventually. And the way to live in this, in this new, um, in this new world is to actually start to build a subscriber base now well before it starts to happen. Because if cable does get upended and we haven't got an ability to go directly out to the consumers, then we're in serious trouble. I think that that's possible. I think that's probably a generous view of, of HBO and their management. Um, the, well, they're competing with Netflix. They must be, I mean, like if not looking that far afield, looking that far out, they must say, look, there's something, there's something to what these guys are doing. They're building a business without any of, without any of, um, without any of the traditional distribution, they're using the internet and it looks to be quite successful and it's increasingly becoming a trend. And we're seeing, you know, increasingly people talking about cable cutters, whether it's happening or not, will will leave up for debate. But I mean, I don't, I don't think it's an unreasonable thought to say, you know what, we should be, and plus all the piracy, like their shows are the most pirated shows on the internet. It, it just, it makes a lot of sense. I agree with you. I agree with you, your statement, like this is not the death knell for cable, but it is like, it's a reasonably substantial ax into that oak tree, right? No, I don't think so. I, I, so one, I think it's it's totally reasonable of HBO and they should be doing it. And I, I agree yeah. with you. I was just being a bit of, bit of a devil's advocate there. Okay. Um, I don't, I just, I, I think HBO is targeting and will benefit from people like you that don't have cable anyway. I, I just, I really don't think there are many people that have cable just for the sake of having HBO. Like HBO's, HBO is kind of this weird appendage of cable that has a totally different business model that it happens to be the exact same as the Netflix business model. And they're just like now going after a more efficient distribution mechanism. Like it, it, it's not changing anything about the economics of the cable bundle that I talked about before, mm. except for maybe a very small percentage of the population. And like, and so to the extent that percentage of the population um, is meaningful and, or will, especially for young people will never sign up for cable because 
they their, their needs are sufficiently filled by HBO and and for entertainment. Like yes, I think in the long 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 run it does have an effect. But in the short term, I think the effect is way smaller than than people are saying. Again, like it's it's weird because I'm I'm not sticking my head in the sand and saying that the industry is going to always be the same forever and ever. Amen. I I'm just saying like it's also not going to be drastically different next year. So, so, so you said that it's going to keep chipping away and then the oak tree crashes down. I guess what's interesting then is like you're, you're pointing at these people who are saying, ah, this is, this is it for the oak tree. It's going down right now and people are yelling timber and you're saying, uh, no, like this is not it. I'm curious like, like and, and I realise this may be an unreasonable question to play this out, but like if you were to play it out in your head, like the way it's evolving at, at, at the moment, like like you're starting to chip away at the at the affiliate, like you, you look at the affiliate fees and the shows sitting behind the channels that are and, and the jobs, like the jobs that we talked about sitting behind those channels that are getting those high affiliate fees. Like at what point would you be writing the article, okay, actually the oak tree is coming down? Like do you like playing that out? Like what would what would cause you to say actually this is it? Well, I, I I'm actually much like the almost reason I'm hesitant to write this article is because uh, I think we're f- farther, definitely farther down the path today than we were a year ago when I wrote the article. Mm. Didn't read, and and the reason, but I think what's going to happen with this is it's kind of similar to the console discussion we've had previously Yeah, where my point isn't that disruption isn't going to happen. My point is that it's going to take a lot longer than people that people are talking about. Granted. And and I think it's really almost more a demographic sort of thing. Like huh. it, what it's more about is uh, as the baby boomer generation gets older and, you know, moves on and the, buying power moves to the younger generation, this generation that's come up used to spending a lot of time on the internet, watching a lot of stuff on, on shows um, is possibly, I, I think well, I'd love to see more studies about um, the age distribution. I think the age distribution for sports in general is getting much older mm-hmm. um, because Sports was definitely more, much more of a community sort of thing, especially when we only had three channels and there wasn't the internet. Like that was a thing to really, you know, unify around. That is much less the case today. There's way more things competing for attention. There's video game sports like Twitch, like I think we talked about. Um, like there's just, I think it's way more fractured in general. And as this, as the demographics change in where the buying power rests in a population that is used to much more fractured environment, um, especially where sports is less is important to some, but important to far fewer. Uh, that's when the whole thing is going to come apart. Mm. And so, so I, that's interesting. And it's that's like, really interesting. So like you're like the argument. Yeah. The argument you're making is not that, that it's going to be the content going to a, um, uh, a la carte model, but rather it's almost like the soil drying up around the tree. It's just like there's there's just the pe- like the demographics are slowly going to whittle away, and there's nothing they can they can. There's not going to be a precipitating event so much as just like as as like 
as people get older and the people who have grown up using the internet, not necessarily relying on cable, become the 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 main part of the consumer profile. That the cable, like that's, it's almost going to starve the cable channels that starve the cable companies that way. Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to put it. And then when that oak tree, you know, cracks open the storm, we realize like the interior is like dead, right? Because it's uh. it hasn't gotten any nutrients for for many years. Huh. Interesting. On the subject of uh, the younger generation, Gamergate, it's blown up the last couple of days. Yeah, I mean, like I thought it had kind of gone away, um, hoped it had gone away last month. And then uh, Intel, they, they, Intel pulled its advertising from a site in response to uh, pressure from this kind of amorphous Gamergate group, uh, which I think was why well, this is a scary thing to talk about, right? Because people do get upset. We got people who were upset the last time we talked about it. Yeah. And, uh, and really like a very like thoughtful, you know, email like saying games are important to me. I don't like, I don't like you talking about this way. It's like, I don't think anyone anywhere is attacking games. It's almost weird. Like wh- why is it that people like in, in, it's so it, it, it's almost feels so strange why judging threats of violence and rape and massacres why are people absorbing that as being attacks on them personally like it's almost like this there's some sort of identification going on yeah. here and uh where people are people people's response are of course oh i i think i think rape threats are bad but but like there is no but like what just say it's bad. Like we can't we all agree on that and not to make any conjunctions and be united in that. And again, people say, oh, of course, again, people are always like, yes, I agree. I agree. That's bad. But but it's unfair what people are saying about gamers or people are, you know, just don't attach the butt. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with that. It's it's interesting the way that people have taken so much of this personally and I mean, on one hand, I think to, to me, this is all a little bit of a storm in a teacup uh, with the exception of th- those threats of violence against individuals. That's clearly where the line gets drawn. Um, the, the, it's, it's funny, though, like why people are taking it personally. And, you know, there's an element of this. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a full public confession here. But there's an element of this to a, a greater or lesser extent that, I can actually relate to like when back back when I was like back in the mid 90s like I was a pretty big Apple fanatic and there was a guy Kawasaki listserv that Apple used to run around the evangelists and whenever something bad about Apple would come out like he'd post it and he'd encourage people to write in and you know what like I got into it like I, I really did um, and it's 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 I, I wonder whether it's just it becomes so core to people's identity and um, yeah, which is kind of funny as a teenager, like my identity was wrapped up in Apple stuff, but it felt like it did. And I wonder whether there's a little bit of the same thing at work here, right? Where where people have wrapped their identity up a lot in, um, 
they've wrapped their identity up a lot in this notion of of being a gamer. But the I like it used to be a very small and exclusive club where it was it was like high end three D games, console, or even more like even more technically or more technical on the PC or whatever. And it was a very elite group and. Particularly since the advent of mobile, that started to diffuse quite a bit, right? You, you're seeing a lot of, and and the way too, like um, you're, you're seeing a lot of people being brought into the fold that weren't traditionally there. And I wonder whether this isn't just this reaction. It's a reaction to the this feeling that the world is beginning to change and. It's not necessarily changing in a way that they like. That you've got these gaming houses that used to be 100% focused on the needs and desires of this core group, and and now it's starting to shift a little bit. So I, I have a similar story. Um, you, you know, I th- I've talked a little bit about my political esque background before and how I've shifted. And I remember, you know, when I was in, um, when I was in college, uh, worked for a paper and I was the kind of the, the, (laughs) also hasn't talked about it, like the, the Republican like columnist or one of the Republican columnists and, Mm -hmm. and which was, you know, which is funny because back in, you know, when you're on a college campus, especially like the university of Wisconsin, which is a traditionally very liberal campus, um, you know, on social issues, I tended to be way to the left of any traditional Republican, but just by virtue of, um, you know, being quote unquote, you know, anti big government and mm-hmm. taxes and all that sort of stuff, uh, that made me far to the right. Uh, anyhow, what that engendered and like it engendered a certain sense of like, yeah, there was a, I, there was an identity there. Like I was the one that wrote stuff that pissed people off. Right. Mm-hmm. And like people would write a bunch of letters to the editor and being, being mad about me. And, um, and I remember I, I I wrote a piece, I wrote a piece, something about like how the Bush administration, the second Bush administration had broken down uh, something about the Americans with Disabilities Act, like they'd weakened some of its provisions. And like, I thought it was really terrible. And, and I wanted to write that it was terrible, but I felt so, it was so hard for me to do. Like, I felt there was people, um, you know, people like counting on me to, to defend the team. And, uh, and so I, I wrote this terrible article where the first 200 words were like this convoluted attempt to like attack the the left. And then I like wrapped it into like criticizing the American Disabilities Act. But the result was the thing was a mess, right? Because I was, it was all convoluted and it was, it was all an attempt to like, um, still be on the team, but like, you know, but to dissent a little bit. Right. And, and I got tons of pushback. People were like, Oh my God, did you hear that? And like, I had like people like telling my parents, did you hear what Ben wrote? Blah, blah, blah. And like, it was the, 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 the sense of like, if you're not completely with us, you're totally against us was really mm-hmm. powerful. And I think really exacerbated by the fact it was kind of a, a more of a minority position. And, um, you know, as I've, as I've, as I've written or as I've talked about this podcast over time, uh, you know, starting out with small things like uh, having a friend who is gay and like, why, what's the point of this being against gay people stuff? Like what, who, who, why, 
this is my this is my friend, you know, to having a, a girlfriend later wife who was not from America. Like, why are American lives, you know, more valuable? Mm-hmm. As I've recounted, like I actually ended up completely changing my fundamental prepositions yeah. and like explaining. And actually, you, you see what I'm doing right now. I, I, I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to reassure you and my listeners that I'm not like one of those right wing freaks, <laughs> and I'm actually yeah, and I'm like mudd- I'm, the- I'm muddling my point right now because I want I want to I want to I want to keep like fitting in like it's it's, not, it's, it's so funny. it's so powerful right you don't like yeah. you want people to think a certain way about you and 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 you identify with with that group and so I identify by not identify myself and this gets back to kind of some of the i i assume we're going to touch on it but like the the why i felt so injured by some of the the feedback on the debate episode right like i i want to be known for being mentally pliable and willing to change my mind and trying to think through all sides of an issue and and i feel very attacked when people say that 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 that's bad and I mean, I, I, it's, it's, <laughs> there's an, if it makes you feel any better, there's an evolutionary reason for it. Like back when we were living in small tribes of people, if you got, if you pissed everybody off and you got outcast, you were in serious trouble. So, but I, I mean, let me, let me take this back to a previous episode. Like one of the learnings f- for me from Burning Man is that it, it's one of these things where if you speak your mind, you, you like, Everyone's so worried about what everyone else thinks and it takes so much mental effort to like c- to keep that facade up all the time like to like try and appear like to keep the group happy and whatever and one of the things that I realized out there was actually lower it and speak your mind and um, a, you'll feel a lot better about yourself like your your mental acuity you won't muddle your points like you're not thinking you're not thinking like, how do I do all these things to make people happy? It like feels better to you, but it also gives permission to the other person to do the same. Now, some of them aren't going to react in a very positive light, but I like the old way for me to, to to take that was like, oh, they must not like me. Like there's something wrong with me. But there was something about being in that environment where it's like, it actually made me realize like if you lower your guard and you be yourself around people, and they don't like it. Well, actually, that's really helpful to know because that probably means it's not a person that that you want to be spending time with. So, uh, for what it's worth, as you're telling me this story, I'm not judging you in any way. I'm actually really curious to see where you take it. So, keep going, please. Well, I, I think that what what makes this um, really powerful, though, is when you are in a a minority and you already feel persecuted, mm. right? And I think. You know the 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 issue with I think gaming culture and all that sort of stuff is you have these people who who already feel kind of like they're at the bottom of the totem pole, right? They're not the cool kids at school. Yeah. Um. They've found a community. They've found acceptance. They've they've become, you know, m- meaningful in through games and through through gamers and 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 that and when they identify as that, it's not just that it's an activity they like to do. It's, it's a place where they've actually found validation as like a person. Yeah. And that, and so now when there's this quote unquote attack on gamers, it's even though on an intellectual level, um, again, I, I, I'm not, 
even though I like playing games, I'm not a gamer. And so I say that not to say, not to distinguish myself from the group, but to say, I hesitate to speak for someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but just having been in a kind of minority position, as far as you know, attribution goes, I think it's a, there's a real fear of losing what you have, like, you know, killing, like without killing the golden goose, as far as your, your own self-worth goes. And, and it's really hard to, to parse that because you're almost like parsing yourself. I get that. I mean, it's interesting and I'm going to recount it because I think it's interesting as opposed to necessarily because I agree or I'll say it without judgment. But there was a parallel drawn in the Deadspin article on all of this to the Tea Party in the sense that um, people were reacting in a similar way into the same tactics. And uh, and it's interesting to think about that the reason that perhaps that the reactions are similar is that because both groups feel like there's something important to them that's beginning to be lost and and the uh, the tactics that some of the tactics are similar but the the starting point is the same like there's a sense of community and like government staying out of my affairs and so on and so forth and on on the gamer side it's like well we've we've always been the demographic that a majority of these gaming companies are focused on because no one else has really been no one else has really put down money. And as that started to change, perhaps there's a fear that 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 this community and um, this outlet that they've found in order to express themselves and, and to find peers and to feel successful, perhaps that's starting to go away as well. I mean, maybe. I, I think that's a little, it's almost a, a little too, no, it's, it's a little too neat. And okay. I think a little too high level. I, I actually, I, I'm willing to give, um, gamers the benefit of the doubt perhaps more than most people and say that they it's it's less about i think the the fury and the feedback i think there are some people where it's it's deeply misogynistic and they are Mm -hmm. like virulently anti-women um i i suspect though at a very 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 deep level what it is is People can't distinguish between on a visceral level, not on an intellectual level. On a visceral level, it's hard to distinguish between people saying uh, the way games portray women is bad from games are bad or games are bad people. And and if you and so when people hear like uh, uh, Anita Mm -hmm. Sarkeesian uh, talk about oh these games are portraying women in a bad way. And someone's like, well, I like that game. And that, that the way it's heard is you are a bad person for liking that game. Yeah. And I, I get you. And so what I think what's, what's happening is these attacks on games are being heard as an attack on gamers. And it, it sounds like a, a very fine distinction to draw, but I think it's critical. And then what's happening is there's a backlash mm-hmm. and then the backlash is, is the vector has been opened, the kind of feminist vector and the, and it's just falling very neatly into it. And then you get all the crap falling into it. Like the, Oh, being, you know, maybe not popular with girls at school, young adolescent boys, which are mm. just a mess in general, you know, having been one. Um, 
and so then then it then it becomes deeply misogynistic and and all this bad stuff comes out. But I, I suspect at the very, very core level, what it is 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 an attack on an identity that means something to people. And and it's Wait. not that people are and so I'm almost defending it. I don't think that people are at a very deep core level misogynistic and are driven by the desire to oppress women. I think they're driven by the desire to fit in and to protect something that means something to them. And then when they lash out, they lash out through these available channels, which are deeply misogynistic and just yeah. frankly, very horrible. Right. But I, I like that articulation is probably the, one of the, best ones I've heard of all this yet that it's not it's it's that they're unable to disaggregate like that they identify with it so much like whether it's the community or the game or whatever they identify with it so much that they're actually unable to hear criticism of it without assuming the criticism extends to all the game and therefore themselves for liking the game that's really interesting um well, and I, again, like I, I, I said, I wasn't going to talk about that episode again. But I just the reason I bring it up is because I don't want to. I don't want to sit here. I guess I feel very. I hope it's obvious, and by what I've tweeted and what I've written about, um, like I'm deeply appalled by this behavior. I'm particularly hmm. incensed at, at Intel. I think Twitter. Uh, yeah, Twitter has a lot of responsibility. We should talk about it in a moment, but I, I, we're not going to get anywhere on either side without acquiring a serious level of empathy. And, and in a lot of ways, like no one is going to, no one is going to change these people's minds and maybe they can't be changed, but by, we talk about, you're not going to change someone's mind by calling them sexist. No. Are they uh-huh. sexist? Yes. Like that, that a lot of these, especially in the way, like, again, the lashing out is happening, but like, it's very hard to tell a teenage boy that no one likes and has no friends and gets beaten up at school and goes home and finds friends on the internet that he's a, he's privileged. Like he has white privilege and male yeah. privilege and, and, He's like Fuck that, like, and I'm with you. I'm with you. It makes total sense. But like that, that, that subtlety is what's been lacking here. It's like every, everybody only seeing the world from their own point of view, as opposed to literally trying to put themselves in the other person's shoes. And yeah, like what you just described, like I have a whole lot more sympathy for that person and why they might react so vigorously to it and how like if you just if if there's just a general criticism of like how some of this criticism will not will not be taken by that person in a way where it's going to be viewed as constructive they're just going to take it personally now here's the thing though i mean like what is happening is horrible it's Mm. it's atrocious and i'm sorry dude in the basement that doesn't see how you're privileged you are and what is happening and and there's a serious crime of omission happening by not speaking out against this by not taking a stand and saying making threats is wrong it's not you can't say making threats is wrong but 
you should stop picking on us gamers. No, there is no but. Like, there has to be, this is where there has to be some responsibility taken. Like, you can't say, oh, it's unfair. It's unfair that people are lumping us in with that group. No, if you are not explicitly disavowing what is happening, you are lumping yourself in full stop. Mm-hmm. And this is, and this is where the, the, it's hard to draw a line because I, I probably in the last 10 minutes, I've successfully pissed off both sides be, because yes, it's understandable what's happening. It's one of those things like where you, you, you can be, it's, it's understandable to get angry. It's not okay to like hit someone <laughs> like, yeah, it's, and, and again, in this case, it's not that, People are are threatening women, but by not disavowing what's happening, they're enabling this. By not having a unified front, they're enabling this. And bigger picture, but that said, I can understand it. I can understand where this is coming from. I think it's terrible and people are wrong to not condemn this 100%. But I think it's worth asking what responsibility, as I mentioned before, uh, Twitter especially has in this. A lot of these threats are happening on Twitter. You post Gamergate hashtag something positive, you're going to get a bunch of crazies attacking you. Like it's happened to me a couple times. Like, and you see in these threats, these rape threats, these rape people's houses are happening on Twitter. Like, yeah. So this is interesting. I am, I'm very much inclined to like my starting point for this kind of thing is um, freedom of speech. Like, I'm not necessarily sure that I want Twitter going in and. I mean, how would they even do it? Well, okay. Let, let, well, first off, I think there's there's some basic stuff they could do. Like, you should be able to block any like block new accounts from like you right now. You can you can you can block a specific person, but you block someone, they just go create a new account and then do it again, right? So you should be able to block accounts that have been created less than X days ago. Mm, uh, okay. Right now, you can't report when you, there's no like consistent way. Only the person who's being quote unquote abused, uh, and I say quote unquote because we'll get to why I say that in a second, uh, can report it to Twitter or to Facebook. And this applies to all, all the networks. Uh, not, it can't be another person that reports it. Uh, and then the definition of abuse is very, very narrow. Like you can get away with a lot before it's called abuse. And that's why I say quote unquote because. Their definition is super narrow. And as the the argument that I think is usually made is, well, we want to avoid a slippery slope. We want to, you know, we don't want to get into the business of of censoring speech. Um, and so the 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 default position is that we need to be super tolerant here. And this is, I understand that articulation. It's one I've made in, in the past as well. I, I mean, I it's I kind of agree with it. I mean, I think. I, I, I feel like we're going back to the conversation around, well, not, not that you're specifically advocating it. I think for what I'm hearing from you is that these companies should be self-regulating a little bit more, but I can't help but think of the conversation we had around Uber where the solution isn't to ask these companies or get these companies to figure out the policy themselves, but this is a general societal problem and What's kind of becoming, I mean, in an ideal world, in the old world, in the old world, like this kind of thing would happen in a newspaper or on letters and it would be slow and you would go to the police and then the courts would deal with them, whatever. And that system obviously doesn't work when you can get 140 characters up 
in in like less than five seconds and by the time the police have reacted to it it's like days later and you can be bombarded by hundreds of people but it does feel like there's this is a this is a, a this is now becoming a societal problem where where we should be thinking about it beyond the confines of just any one individual social network no well I'm not. I'm not sure. Actually, I, this is something I want to talk to you about specifically because I've been thinking about writing it, but I haven't fully fleshed out my thoughts. And like I said, I, I've long been a proponent of the slippery slope argument. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been involved in uh, pretty significant, like free speech episodes, debates. Like I've been in a newspaper office with with hundreds of protesters outside saying like we were evil. Um, and again, it wasn't. It was because of an advertisement in our paper. It wasn't anything we actually wrote. Um, <laughs> That sounds I, like a story. <laughs> I, I'm becoming, I'm becoming a little more dubious. I, I, I have to say, and the problem is that the slippery slope always seems seems to be theoretical, whereas the abuse is real. And it bothers me that the kind of default position, including my default position until recently, has been to protect the theoretical at the expense of the real. Like there are people being abused and, and Twitter and Facebook and me and a lot of people are taking the attitude, well, imagine if people used these tools to suppress political speech, better let the abuse go on. Like that's basically, that's basically the outcome of the slippery slope argument. Yeah. I don't know, dude. Like the idea that a private company is determining what is and isn't abuse, I actually share their concerns. I think, I think, I mean, the basic principle for me here is like you give people freedom and there's an expectation they will act responsibly. And if they don't act responsibly, then you come along afterwards and there are consequences for not acting responsibly. It's, I, I don't want Twitter deciding whether a tweet with the word fire in it is actually a fire in a in a movie theater but if someone does decide to yell f- the equivalent of fire in a movie theater on Twitter and it causes a panic like i think there should be consequences for people who do that and what's become apparent in this whole like in this whole episode is that the system is is not doing a very good job of keeping up and holding people accountable for their actions but the idea that you I don't know. When it comes to speech, <laughs> with the exception of money, which we've talked about previously, when it comes to speech, my inclination is to very much like assume best intent. And if people abuse the responsibility, you come along and there are consequences for it afterwards. Well, first off, Twitter isn't the government. Um, no, I know that. No, I know, but I'm just making, <laughs> but, but this is a, like, everyone says, oh, my free speech is being violated. Your free speech, like the First Amendment is about, is about the government. It's not about private companies. Two, the point of that is Twitter does censor stuff. Like, and and this is what is kind of galling is uh, Twitter used to be like pretty absolute about this, but in recent months and weeks they've become a lot less absolute. So, for example, like when Robin Williams committed suicide and people were were posting pictures and and doctor pictures and abusing his daughter, but again, horrible stuff. Suddenly, Twitter had a new policy that they're going to remove pictures of uh of Robin Williams and of, of dead celebrities, stuff like that. Like, mm. okay. So yep. Twitter, if you're going to suddenly decide some stuff is objectionable, like then yep. like I have, 
I lost a lot of respect for Twitter, not because they took down some terrible stuff, but because they showed themselves that they actually weren't principled. They cared more about the bad publicity than anything. Right. I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I will say to your First Amendment, your First Amendment argument, um, as increasingly as like speech is expressed online, and I realize they're private corporations, but I do like the idea that kind of private companies, I, 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 and I, obviously you can't enforce it, but I do like the idea that they kind of stick behind that principle because it's going to be it's going to become an increasingly important channel through which people express themselves. But the point you just made then about them reacting not based on principle but more or at least seemingly reacting a lot more on the publicity to it i uh, you're absolutely right i mean the, the problem though is like again this is us two white males making this argument right like it is it is on balance to our advantage that speech always be unfettered like i, I i've made like my entire career is built on the idea that i can sit on the internet and say whatever i want and, and people will hear it and like you know I like to think I'm not saying super objectionable stuff that would ever be be censored, but you know, still like it's an important, it's an important principle to me. Um, it at the same time, this kind of feels like the like um, like Paul, the Paul Graham. Paul, well, Paul no, Paul Graham wrote an article a, a few weeks ago that was very widely applauded and received about like you know how a startup needs to be counterintuitive and like it needs to do stuff that doesn't seem right. And he's like, oh, but the one exception is hiring people. Hire people based on your gut feel. I, yes, but your that advice propagates mm. a lack of diversity in the valley. Like, yeah, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it because you don't feel comfortable with people that are different than you. Full stop. Like that's human nature, and and there are very significant unintended consequences of what is good advice in one context. And I'm starting this. Last month and seeing what is happening is starting to make me wonder the same thing about being an absolutist about private corporations, not the government. I'm very much an absolutist there. The government shouldn't be doing anything about this, um, about private corporations being champions of completely uninhibited free speech and declining every opportunity as much as possible to get involved. Because, yes, that makes a ton of sense from one perspective, but from another spec perspective, it's creating a terrible environment for a certain class of people that aren't me. Yeah, I, look, I, I hear you. And as someone who is probably, and fingers crossed, never going to be the subject of what you're talking about, I still disagree. Like, like the, the, the costs of the the costs of like giving people freedom to speak their minds have always been high and maybe those costs are increasing but the the in the same way that i i got i kind of object to the the facebook algorithm determining what we see you, you know like that that scares me in the same way that that it scares me when uh, like it scares me when I go to China and I ask people about Tiananmen Square and they think I'm talking about the tourist attraction as opposed to the event. Like I just uh, like I, I 
I there's there's a I, I recognize what you're saying and I recognize that I'm saying this secure in the knowledge that I'm probably never going to suffer the consequences of saying it but even still it like just it does scare me when you're having people somewhere making decisions and likely to be making decisions based on short-term pressure like what happened with Robin Williams as opposed to strong principled decisions around what goes up and what does not. But I mean, no one, like, that's the beauty of the internet. Like, anyone who wants to make uh, (laughs) this, anyone who wants to write terrible things uh, can start a blog and write as much terrible things as they want. Yeah, but like we've 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 talked about this. Like the 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 it, it used to be a world of scarcity, and now it's a world of abundance. Like no one's going to find out about those terrible things if private corporations st- start deciding what's terrible and what's not. Like that sounds it, pretty good to me. Yeah, but well, I don't know. Like I, I I don't know. Like if if Google, Facebook, and Twitter all got together and decided that there was an idea that was, you know, like. We, let me just take a simple example. We have an agreement together that we're going to, uh, like, we're we're going to have a. I mean, they they've done bad. Like these tech companies are not angels. They've done things like the the agreement where they agreed not to hire each other's employees. Like they, like I can, I don't know what it would be, but it's not too much of a stretch to imagine that they come together and like. People are start to we start talking about antitrust, and if those guys and and it, it would have negative consequences, and the idea is starting to gather steam, and for whatever reason they decide that this is a dangerous idea and it disappears. Like the ability, the ability for them to do that, I think is mm, it, it bugs me. But this actually, there's an interesting parallel to our previous discussion about journalism and native advertising, all that sort of thing, where I actually made a a similar argument where. Uh, suggesting that uh, you you were arguing about a theoretical thing, and I'm arguing about something that, that that that's real. And one of my points was the internet dramatically increases transparency. And uh, since then, there's been the thing about Vice, uh, which you liked, uh, <laughs> about how they they kill mm. stories because they're mm. worried about about advertisers. There's been another thing. There's been another real big one lately. Um, I mean, so so to be fair, you, no, no, no. I just want to. Well, I please get. We'll get to the big one, but I want to agree with you about Vice. Like, but that's exactly. I like Vice in terms of like, I like it. I, I, I like it a lot less having seen how the sausage is being made and like exactly what was described in those emails, which we should link to is exactly what I'm scared about. But the point is, is that we, we know, like we know that that's the case. And now we can look at anything on vice with a, with a more critical eye, like the system worked. Uh, what's the other example of, of just like some really blatant, um, well, I mean, the one that the one that came to mind was Time. Wasn't Time judging its journalists based on? Yeah, I think we talked about that one though. I think there's been another one. There's been another one uh, recently. Um, hmm. I, but the point being is, like, even in that case too, it's the same thing. Like the, this, the system worked. Like the the internet is such a force in general for transparency and more information that that it's been it's been shown up and. So when you get to Twitter and Google and Facebook making this making this hypothetical agreement to tamp down discussion of of free speech, uh, like 
I yeah. would tend to think like that would be found out. They would be heavily damaged as brands, as companies. Um, like there's lots of things working against that hypothetical actually becoming reality. Whereas right now, today, on October 16th, there are people being abused on the internet. Like, and in a very horrific manner, in a way that's easily documented and easily viewed. And you can send it to Twitter and Twitter will say, ah, eh, I don't know. I can't, not, not much I can do about that. Yeah, I I, I totally hear you. Um, I, I would say that the, like, as the, concentration of of these companies that are gatekeepers to the information increases um i think the risk that people don't find out about a, a abuses that they make if they're if they're acting in a way that they shouldn't i actually think the the potential for them to successfully hide like that's why the chinese government's so successful because it's like a major source of information now we're willingly opting into a whole lot of like a very uh, few select networks that like innate- uh, this is the, this is the oh, yeah. sorry i just interrupted you but this is the this is like this is what is so infuriating with the slippery slope argument is it enables you to jump from uh restricting abuse to china <laughs> like the, the what I'm starting, I've made the argument before, so I'm sympathetic to what you're saying. I mm-hmm. just, I just want to start more seriously questioning the idea that a single step across the line is means we're in China. Like, no, no, I agree. To I, me, I'm, the slope I'm, is way less slippery. I, my argument is the slope is a lot. There is a slope, but I think it's a lot less slippery than. Sure, and, it's, and people and, say it is. And and in, 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 <laughs> fair, I, I'll agree with that. In my in my defense, you called my position conceptual. I would, I would the the marketer inside me would relabel that a principle. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. And like like I said, I, I've I've spent you know thirty four years of my life being a pretty much a free speech absolutist, and uh, and believing in the slippery slope argument and, and invoking it. And like I said, I, I have a documented history of like writing strongly about this. And, um, but I, I guess maybe just like a, a life principle in general for me is in almost every situation, like the right course of action usually ends up being gray. Yeah. And, I, and, and the fact that the slippery slope argument is by definition a black and white argument kind of mm-hmm. makes me uncomfortable. No, I get you. You know, if there's one thing I, well, there are a few things I miss about Australia, but there is one thing I like, and that is the the politics tends to be very pragmatic and less principle driven. And um, I do, I think you're right. I do think it ends up in a better place as a result. Um, so uh, yeah, I, uh, yes, I agree. All right. Well, we better quick, quickly end it before we. Uh, yeah, I know. We find something. Yeah, that's right. Find something else to argue about. I think I heard your kids in the background. Sounds like they're home from school. Yes, uh, they've been back for a little bit. So, and there's been construction going outside. So, if there's been a lot of background noise, I apologize. Right. It sounded pretty good from my end. Anyway, this has been fun chatting as always. Um, mm, I look forward to reading what you have to say about HBO. But I think I know what the gist is going to be. Yeah. Well, I've basically articulated it. It, it, it. It's the same thing there. Like, actually, my. <laughs> And this is—it's almost like the, the watch thing too. Like I think the—it's the, somewhere in the middle. Like yeah. disruption is happening; it's just happening a lot slower. But of course, I'm going to write. You know, I'll try to say that, and people are going to—I'm going to be painted as the, um, you know, TV's impregnable. Well, it's—it's it's all relative, right? Yeah. 
Uh, and definitely one of the one one thing that's hard about writing on the internet and is you just have to learn to accept you're going to get painted as as an extreme. Um, block them, block them. Twitter has a block function. Yeah, I, I actually I rarely block. I've blocked I'm like teasing. less than five people. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah. Okay. Congratulations to those five people. And on yeah. that note, I'll talk to you next week. Oh, yeah, later. See you, mate.